Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amit Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And we took a little tiny break, but now we're back, and it is one day before the release date of Paper Mario the Origami King and Ghost of Tsushima. And I bring this up because specifically reviews for Paper Mario came in, and it's just, I feel like they, Nintendo, they really don't want to make an older style Paper Mario. Like, I think we just have to accept that. And I think the sooner we do that as fans, we can move on. Because while the reviews for Origami King are, are sort of mixed, they do say that, like, yeah, some older elements come back. But, like, uh, it's 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 not really fleshed out in the way they were before. And, like, the new stuff really takes precedence. So, like, there's no XP in the combat which, like, totally defeats the purpose of turn-based combat to me. Like, you don't level up or gain skills, so what's the point of fighting? So once I heard about that, that was, like, a huge turnoff for me. But, like, the game still looks charming enough that I still want to play it, but it's just, like, I was really banking on this being, like, a return to form for Paper Mario, but it really doesn't look like it is. See, that's kind of funny, because to me, not having XP from the fights means that I'm not going to be punished when I avoid them like the plague, like I do in every turn-based RPG. So that's, like, yeah. exciting to me. Yeah, I don't know. I was just really yearning for those RPG elements that yeah. Nintendo clearly has no interest in. But, yeah, I just wanted to air that grievance. But also, you know, Ghost of Tsushima comes out tomorrow, and I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah, I heard that's reviewed really well, at least in Japan. Yeah, Famitsu gave it a perfect perfect uh, score. But then again, I don't really give much credence to Famitsu these days, so... But, like, I don't know. It's gotten respectable reviews. It's, like, in the mid-80s on Metacritic, which is really good. So, And, you know, I'm always down for an Assassin's Creed Japan-type game. So that's exciting. But, yeah, I think the main thing we wanted to talk about today was something we briefly brought up in our last episode was the notion, the popular notion that, like, video games are bad for you, specifically for children, and how that's pretty much provably false, uh, and I just kind of wanted to get into that. I think that's an important talk to have, and I think, Connor, you you have some strong feelings on this, so why don't you start? Yeah, so um, I'm probably – what I'm going to say here isn't necessarily all original to me, so I want to credit uh, a YouTube channel called Psych of Play. Uh, and it's just, it's a good channel. You guys should check it out for sure. And if you like this podcast, you're going to like the sort of stuff they talk about. But, um, I, uh, and I, and I want to lay down uh, a bit of groundwork here. Cause I, I personally think that playing video games is good for you in an educational sense, but I want to say what I don't mean there. And I do not mean educational games because I have never really, I think I played a game that taught me how to type as a kid, and that is the only time I've ever seen an educational game that was actually, like, good for little kids. Right. Like, yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. It just doesn't typically... It, it never really hit for me, I guess. It always seemed like everything was, like, too spelled out for you, kind of. And uh, that kind of goes into what I w- want to say. Uh, I'm also not saying that, like, playing Call of Duty is good for you. That is not the kind of game I'm talking about. You know, there might be a hand-eye coordination element there. Yeah. But it's not better than what going outside and throwing a ball is going to get you, I I don't think. You know, uh, but there are uh, games that do teach you things that maybe you wouldn't typically learn 
in a school setting or necessarily even out hanging with your friends and stuff? I think for me, at least the most important thing games teach you is like problem solving skills. Yeah. There's also a lot of games that inspire further learning. Like, right. Yeah. You, you talked elite. about a lot of uh, these uh, strategy games that have led you to learn more about history. Right, Mike? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a history nut because of strategy games. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm more um, – the side I take is more into what Amid was saying, whereas uh, school tends to be very strict on giving you a tool set and then putting you into what's called convergent thinking, which is when you have a couple of solutions and you're narrowing them down – or a couple of tools in your belt to get a solution and you narrow it down to the correct one and use that. So, like, you have multiple answers and you try to figure out which one is correct. That's what's known as convergent thinking. And that's pretty much what all schooling is focused on, it seems like to me. Like, even through a lot of college, that was all that we really thought about, which totally ignores an incredibly important thing called divergent thinking, which is where you see a problem and you don't have any tools yet, and you have to just come up with, you know, come up with possible solutions. Yeah. And games like, uh, what comes to my mind is Breath of Wild. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. That teaches divergent thinking better than probably anything else I've ever, you know, uh, outside of, like, being in the woods and, like, coming up with a fun thing to do with my friends and trying to figure out how to do it, you know. Uh, Breath of the Wild has taught that better than anything else. Which is funny, because a lot of Zelda games definitely lean into convergent thinking as well. But Breath of the Wild in particular... I yep. think is extremely good for teaching a problem-solving hole that a lot of people have. Yeah, and I just, just, I think Breath of the Wild is indeed the best example of of being a teacher in that sense. But I think many games really sort of teach you to think uh, creatively and outside of the box and critically faster than you would just, you know, like that's not really a skill yeah. you could pick up by studying. I think. Like, yeah, critical, yeah I can only speak for the American school system, but, you know, a lot of it these days is regurgitation and stuff. It's not a lot of critical thinking a lot of the time. It's more knowing, you know, exactly what to do in a given scenario and doing it. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, go ahead. Mike. now don't know critical thinking because it's something you can't teach. It's something you have to figure out on your own. Right, it's really right. It's hard not something to teach. you don't teach it as much as put someone in a situation where they have to learn it, which is what yeah. these games do. Yeah, and I really enjoy the angle that Mike brought up, like the like being a gateway to discovering more knowledge. I never even really thought about it that way, but I think the way I really think about games is that like obviously like Call of Duty and you know those twitchy sort of games are. Uh, teach you a sort of different skill set, right? Like reaction time and stuff like that. But what I'm talking about is like maybe like 3D action adventure games, for example. I think a lot of those have a lot of instances where like, you know, there's like dungeons or puzzles to solve or something like that. And a lot of those levels really sort of encourage like experimentation and like trying and seeing what works and what doesn't work and learning that, okay, like, it's okay to try something and fail if it means that like it'll help inform the correct decision sooner. And I think that's I think that's a super important life skill to have and something that not a lot of people are comfortable with, you know, failure. 
Yeah. But I think like, especially like, like let's say Dark Souls, for instance, right? Like, I know that's kind of an extreme example, but like, you fail a lot in Dark Souls. And like, that turns off a lot of people. And I think that's perfectly normal. But like, I think if you stick through it, it really kind of teaches you tenacity and like, finding ways to get around your problems and not giving up until you succeed. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to avoid uh, more mature games like Dark Souls in the discussion, because I am thinking more younger kids, personally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And, you know, Dark Souls isn't the only game, you know, Mega Man, (laughs) saying, you know, you're going to die a bunch, you got to learn. Although I wouldn't necessarily say that Mega Man is super good for you. It's actually hard. I I can't imagine being a parent, like... You know, obviously we're making the argument that games are good for you, but not that all games are good for you. And I think it would be extremely difficult for a parent who is not what I would call video game literate uh, to be able to tell the difference. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's important to draw the distinction that, like, the problems with video games are problems that exist in, like, all other forms of media. Like, of course you shouldn't let your kid sit for, like, eight hours a day in front of the console and then argue that video games are bad right that's like obvious your kid shouldn't be doing eight hours of anything a day uh like similar to well yeah you got (laughs) you got me there but like you know similarly the arguing uh arguments for uh, violence you know we might as well get into that too like that argument is very inane i think because like okay you won't let your kid play video games because they're violent like that's on you as the parent to, you know, guide your kid to to digest the content that's most appropriate for them, you know, corresponding to their age. And that includes like movies, books, shows and games. Right. Like you can't argue like. The video games are a violent argument because then the same thing applies to any form of media, you know, like you just have to present it to your kid when they're ready. Right. Uh, I also um, think that uh, – I, I don't know if this is really true anymore, but when I was growing up, uh, I felt like I was a stronger reader than a lot of kids in my class when I was very young, uh, largely because I was really interested in learning how to read because my video games were so confusing to me when I wasn't <laughs> able to read. <laughs> young Connor had to figure out how to read because uh, he did not understand. Wind Waker was very difficult. To a child who can't read. You know it was super difficult to a child? And I'm showing my my relative age compared to Connor. Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I imagine you that would be tough like, if you can't Forest read. You get, like, Temple, and you're like, oh, where do I do? Yeah. People don't talk about the Water Temple, but then they don't talk about the Forest Temple and how big of a maze that one is. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, and like, there's little stuff that games can teach you, too, that you don't necessarily pick up. Like, spatial reasoning, you know? Uh-uh. Being less like Minecraft definitely made me less likely to get lost in general. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Minecraft is definitely a huge like educational tool. You see, Minecraft's weird because a lot of people want to like say that it could be turned into an educational game, and I don't really think that's true. I think all the educational value Minecraft is gonna have, it already has, and that's like just pure creativity, experimentation, self-expression. Maybe not necessarily educational, all those things, but good for you in general. No, I mean, like, it's it's, it's educational, just not educational in the traditional sense, right? You're not yeah. learning about math or chemistry or whatever, right? But, like, you're learning creative thinking skills, and that's, again, something that's not really taught in American schools and something that's really valuable. 
And I guess an argument could be made for Minecraft. Uh, you it could teach programming. You know, like yeah, basic it's logic. Also, yeah, the redstone is definitely valuable. Uh, it definitely exposes kids to um, binary logic a lot younger than you know they normally you know before college essentially. <laughs> yeah, and I think and that's huge. Yeah, that that really is huge. Like if that way of thinking gets ingrained at you when you're like seven or eight, that like will pay huge dividends for you later on in life. There are a lot of games that, um, I mean, Roblox exposed me. I was going to mention Roblox. Roblox 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 taught me uh, only one thing, and that's not to say swears over the internet because the the mods will get angry. Yeah, uh, Roblox was probably my first exposure to programming. Uh, I wanted to make levels in Lua, and I was, like, copying and pasting other people's stuff, but, like, you know, trying to get it to work. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I... I remember a lot of trying to get things to work in Roblox that never just worked. And obviously, like, in the age of uh, of coronavirus that we're in right now, I would say that video games are extremely important as a social platform. Although, you know, I think kids should either be supervised or above a yeah. certain age to be on those social platforms. Yeah, like, that that's that's an area that, like, I don't think has an easy answer because, like... I mean, so, I, mean I think if you have a private mind... If you have a Minecraft yeah. realm that your kid and your kid's friends play on, I think that that's super good. You know, right. they're getting to hang with their friends. And right, but I'm talking about like unfiltered online interaction that can almost, I think, all of the time, it, it's it's like the Wild West. Like it's a little nasty. Well, yeah, it's very vile. So like, I think if you're making the argument, okay, video games aren't good for kids because of, you know, that. I feel like that's pretty valid, but then yeah, at that's that, but that's valid, yeah. but the unfiltered wild west of online is where I learned how to be a good person. See, okay, so that that's great that happened. Or with be you, toxic, but right? I feel like no, yeah, it's, like, it's just be toxic, but don't be toxic to people's faces. Just complain about them on stream. I yeah, feel, I mean, I I was uh, playing Sea of Thieves with randoms not too long ago, and I remember I was with a group of middle school and high schoolers and i just wanted to finish what we'd started so i just shut up and sat through it but they (laughs) for some reason thought it was hilarious to say and i this is like verbatim what they were saying trans people exist was what they found so hilarious to say so you know kids are just stupid you know like that's that's like a irrefutable fact you know like and i i'm sure i said stupid stuff not exactly like that but stuff that really doesn't make any like why would anyone even say something like that you know oh no yeah. i said some stupid things when i was younger but like but wh- i get uh i guess what i'm getting at is the fear is that like kids absorb things really quickly be that yeah. positive or negative right so if they're constantly getting like an eight-year-old's constantly like getting a filter of like obscenities <laughs> that's like what they're going to say and that's obviously not cool. <laughs> Look at yeah, me. and I remember, I remember when I was in like middle school, my parents didn't want me to play some game online or something. I think I wanted to play Call of Duty or something. And my parents didn't want me, you know, exposed to what yeah. people said online. I, my argument was always that I hear worse at middle school. Yeah, and that's, I believe that at the, the time. But I'm not actually looking back. I'm not sure that was true. Well, so like. You know, I have a, a a cousin who's like around 10 years old, right? I think he was 10 when he asked his dad, or he might have actually been nine. He when he asked his dad to play Call of Duty like online, yeah. and like obviously, so like his dad doesn't really know much about video games, so he called me and I talked to him and I was just like, look, he can play, but like 
just no like when you're online there's like no sort of filter like he would have to turn like mute everyone manually yeah i i really think it's a per kid basis like <clears throat> you know my parents didn't let me i think i i think it was when i turned 14 i was allowed to play like rated m games and yeah. i kind of looking back i think my mom was just not like i was a fairly mature kid my mom was not super educated about stuff but i've definitely met kids that are that young who probably shouldn't you know i definitely you know i the blanket rated m game i kind of don't always agree with the esrb because like putting call of duty in the same vein as grand theft auto doesn't make sense to me yeah i think so because grand theft auto while you're shooting people in both shooting people is not a blanket level of violence you know like, Grand Theft Auto, shooting someone in Grand Theft Auto is far more violent than shooting someone in Call of Duty. Because Call of Duty is like, you're in a fight, it's a competition, whereas you're playing Grand Theft Auto, you're probably shooting innocent people. And, like, and, and Call of Duty is a per-game basis on how violent it could be. Yeah, that's true as well. And, and definitely I, Call of Duty, you know, the the campaigns I'm not super familiar with, but I understand they can get pretty graphic as well. Yeah, the campaigns are definitely more violent than the multiplayer, I will say that for sure. Yeah, I was very thankful, you know, the shooter I was familiar with as a kid was Roblox, and I was very grateful to have it. Yeah, as a kid, like, the shooter I was primarily into was Halo, right? So, Halo... And I I wouldn't call Halo particularly violent. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's guns and there's shooting, but there's no gore. Oh, yeah, Halo was good. Yeah, and um, also Fortnite. I think Fortnite overall, although I have my, my own issues with Fortnite, but, like, you know, if your kid's not spending a ton of money in it and, like, if they're having a good time, you know, it's a good way to be social with their friends as well if they're playing with friends. And, uh, I mean, Fortnite is more a social platform than a game in a lot of ways. And I think yeah. the violence in it is fairly tame. I, I wouldn't say it's educational or anything, really. Uh, I, I guess it could teach cooperation, which is something a lot of people struggle with if you're actually trying to win. Yeah, but I don't think, like, Fortnite is as conducive to that creative thinking as, like, a lot of other games are. Yeah, definitely uh, definitely Nintendo games are more conducive yeah. to creativity overall. Like, and you know... You I would even argue that, Zelda. like, some, like, Sony first-party game... Like, I would say, like... I know Uncharted's mostly, like, a movie thriller, but, like, the puzzles in there could be conducive to creative thinking. Obviously not as much as Nintendo games, but, like... It can also get you interested in uh, history as well, although, you know, Uncharted's take on history is extremely fantastical. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, it, it, you know, I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't playing Uncharted and, like, wanted, you know, I looked up, like, you know, is Nathan Drake actually spouting nonsense here? Like, is any yeah. of this legitimate? And, you know. I remember playing games like Medieval Total War and being like, ooh, history. What were the Normans? And yeah, then, the, yeah, there are definitely game a, a lot of... Yeah, those three X games. I mean, those three X games are just good for critical Rex, thinking as 4X, well. Right? Yeah, not four X. Sorry, sorry, four X. Three X is uh nasty. <laughs> four X is uh. Rex is the game. Three X is the uh. The the part of the video store you shouldn't go in. But yeah. uh, four X games. They yeah, like they could get you interested in history, but there's also just like. I mean, that's just a good brain exercise. Like, if you think playing chess is good for you, then you can't argue that playing these 4X games isn't good for you, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't think there's any sort of... Ar- you, you can't really argue that 4X games don't exercise your brain. Like, yeah. that's just not true. Like, I think, you know, more standard video game fare is what most, like, I think parents are worried about. But I think 
an interesting thing to consider is if I I imagine all three of us because we were growing up right when video games we we saw the benefit of seeing video games go from niche to mainstream. Yes. Uh, growing up, so like I imagine. I certainly had parents on my case about video games growing up. I imagine you guys did too. Uh, actually, uh, not really. I mean, my dad. Video games were usually the thing my parents would threaten to take away if I was like not doing my homework or something. Yeah. But well, I should uh, say, I, I, let me retract that. I shouldn't say on my case. They like, but they they were constantly saying like, "Hey, you shouldn't play as, as many video games." Like, I think what they were most afraid of was the addictive quality. And, and granted, you know, that is something to be aware of. Like you hear- Oh, yeah. As as a MapleStory player, I can tell you, games can be very addictive, uh, and you you should watch out for that. But and, and that's a very valid argument for, like, okay, video games might not be so good for you, but, like, at the same time, like, that's – I think that's your duty as a parent to be, like, okay, you get, like, an hour of game time a day so your child doesn't become addicted. And it's just that sort of nice, like – yeah, you know, and that's something I never really had. I never uh, – my parents never restricted the amount of games I would play in a day. <clears throat> mine didn't either but they would like heavily they would <laughs> sometimes make me feel bad for playing so many games yeah my, my parents would heavily imply that i was playing too much sometimes yeah, yeah mine mine still blame video games for all my problems <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, like, and i, I definitely so know, out, like, I know people that in high like as late as high school like they would play video games instead of doing their schoolwork and you know that's not healthy like uh, I did my schoolwork and then got frustrated and then went to video games. Yeah, exactly. Same. <laughs> you know, it's, you just got nothing done because all you play were video games. And then I look at my Steam history and I'd have like an hour for every for like a week. Yeah, <laughs> it's too many yeah. video games. I do think that the unhealthiest and most destructive kind of video game is the. Well, this might be controversial, but I was gonna say is the MMO. Yeah, I was. I knew that was where you were going, and like, I, I agree and I disagree because I definitely like. I was an only child, and like outside of school, I didn't hang out with a lot of kids. Like when I was younger, it just didn't really happen. Like around, you know, in high school, I definitely grew out of that, and I started hanging out with more diverse groups and everything, and kind of grew out of it. But in middle school, you know, I got a lot of social practice. Yeah, as it were, playing MMOs. <clears throat> I, I, but typically, I was playing MMOs that were like not necessarily a younger target audience. But I wasn't playing World of Warcraft, you know. Like I was playing Nexon games like Maple Story and Mobi Nogi. Maple Story for sure was targeted at a younger audience. I would say Mobi Nogi was targeted a little bit older than Maple Story. Yeah, but you know, I you know I made some friends that I still talk to, you know, through that and. See, that's really cool. Like, I've made friends through games, like, like online, but I don't think I've ever had any, like, like re- I guess real friends. Like, no one I still talk to today. Like, they were just friends while we were playing the game. And it's, I feel like I kind of missed out on that aspect of, you know, potential community through video games. Now, of course, I will stress that, like, and that this was hard. This was something my parents didn't really do, but it would have been very difficult for them to do it because they weren't particularly video game literate. Uh, and, you know, this is something, if you're a newer parent, you might want to strive to do. I, I, I'm saying that not really knowing who our audience is, I guess, but... Um, <laughs> it doesn't show me their ages, unfortunately. No, uh, but uh, I this never happened to me because I was always super careful. I didn't give away my name or any personal information about me, but you really need to make sure that your child understands that because I, 
I don't know anybody that like had a predator come to their house or anything, but I, I do know several people that have been lied to and duped by people over the internet. You know, people not who they said they were. People yeah, never like, meet people alone on the internet. Just don't. No. Well, I know I know people that like I know someone who dated someone in World of Warcraft who ended up being married and like thirty while this guy was like fourteen, and like that's pretty messed up. That's not cool. Yeah, I think like if I ever have kids, like I will try to keep them, like if they get into gaming, <clears throat> I will try to keep them in offline gaming as long as possible because I think like online it just opens the floodgates for all sorts of stuff. But I guess an argument could be made that like maybe you're sheltering the kid a little bit to yeah, the and quote unquote real world. But and it's, I think it's, it's like it's anything a fine else. Line. Yeah, like you should try to take part in your kid's life. Like I know I know people that play MMOs with their parents and have yeah. like. Like that's what they that's what their family does together, and that's super cool. They get together and do raids and wow, and like, yeah, that's about as safe as it could be. I feel you like you gotta find like you can use video games as like a parent to bond with your kids. If your kid yeah. likes playing Fortnite, play Fortnite with your kid. Yeah. That's that's a really huge point. Also, sidetrack. I think it's hilarious that we're giving parenting advice. <laughs> Welcome to the well, okay, so yeah. we are not parents, right? Yeah, we're but not. do you know how happy it would have made me as a kid? Yes, I was. My... I, that's the point I was getting to. Yeah, so like, no, it would have made me one of my fondest time. memories as a three-year-old. Maybe it was three or four, right? When Super Mario 64 first came out, you know, that was my first video game. I've said that before many times in the show. But my my fondest memory of that is that that was the only video game both me or me, my mom, and my dad all played individually. They never played video games again after that, but they did play Mario 64. And I remember there was a specific part uh, on a specific level that only my mom did because I, I guess me and my dad sucked too much at it. So we'd always <laughs> hand the controller to my mom and she'd like sneak past the piranha plant or whatever. That's and, so fun. Uh, and then hand the controller back. And like I remember like when I fought uh, Bowser at the end, you know, the, the, the rainbow colored Bowser with the three lives. Yeah, I was it was like we were getting ready to go to an event or like a party or something. And then I was too scared to fight him. Like I so I handed the controller to my dad and my dad like lost all of Mario's lives except for the last life. And then I was like, OK, OK, I'll do it. So then I beat Bowser on my first try. And I remember that being such a fulfilling experience because my parents were so involved. And that's part of the reason, you know, yes, Mario 64 was my first game, but like. That's another reason so special because that was the first and last time they cared about like this hobby that I care about so much. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I mean, my dad played games with me when I was real little. I still remember playing Super Mario World with him, and that was like super cool and all. But like, and my dad never like totally lost interest. He was just a busy guy. But uh, my mom was never real interested in games or anything. I until I was an adult, I actually remember like when Breath of the Wild came out. I was playing it in my living room. And my mom actually, like, commented on some stuff, and I was really confused because she'd never done that before, like, in my life. <laughs> well, that that's, I think that can also be attributed to video games just becoming so much bigger and mainstream. And, like, they're, when they're someone more, looks at a game now, yeah. they're like, you know, like, I think – so my, my parents were over at my new house, uh, like, last weekend, <clears throat> and I was playing uh, God of War. And my dad just stared at the TV. He was just like, he couldn't believe that this is what video games are now. I was just like, yeah, like we've come a long way very quickly. Yeah, we've yeah. Grew up, we grew up in that period where games weren't exactly like 
mainstream yet, but they were on the verge of being. So you were still a nerd if you played video games. Yes. Yeah. And then the ne- very next generation, suddenly everyone was playing video games. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think PS3 360, in a large part, at least yeah. in the US, I think the 360, 360 the 360 yeah, made video gaming like at least like amongst your teenage friends mainstream. Uh, yeah, everybody but me had a 360. No. <laughs> oh. I didn't have a 360 until, like, real late. And then I still have fond memories of playing, like, Halo co-op with my awful stepdad. <laughs> I had a Wii. I had a Wii <laughs> had a and a Wii PS3. And, well, actually, you know, the Wii, Wii has to have a huge... Yeah. Get, gets huge credit for that as well. We made... Everyone had a Wii. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Even my... Yeah, my parents were also interested in the Wii. I forgot. I, yes. I, that, and yeah. and so were mine. I remember playing, like, Wii Sports with, like, the whole family and stuff like that. So, like... Actually, they, yeah. I remember being a kid and my dad asked me if I wanted a DS and the way he described it was a Game Boy with two screens and I was just like that sounds dumb no <laughs> and now it's was the standard until they got rid of it yeah we're back to one screen now one big screen I didn't want to I didn't want a DS until I saw my uh, friend Christian had Super Mario 64 on one and I was like no way <laughs> no <laughs> yeah they're putting the big game on the small thing? Yeah, exactly. I think the but, first time you see that is mind-blowing. Like, I had oh, seen yeah. Super Mario <clears> World on the Game Boy Advance, but, you know. It makes me feel old when I see a game that I grew up with suddenly appear on, like, a on a 3DS. I'm like, oh. I mean, like, you can play oh, Skyrim on a Switch, now. which is, like, if you had shown, like, what was it? How old was I in 2011? Like, 16, 15, something like that. If you had yeah. shown me then Skyrim running on a portable, I thought I would think this is like black magic, you know, like it's insane. Yeah, like, I knew people that had laptops that could run it at the time. So it's like, not the same and you know it. It's not the yeah, same. It's not the same. But... A glorified mobile phone is literally running Skyrim right now. Yeah. But it's I do think prompt. like back on the topic of what made video games mainstream like, yes, the Wii 360 PS3 generation kind of put it over the barrier, but I think the PS4 Xbox One generation, it just exploded, right? Like, especially with the rise of, like, online gaming, like, having that be, like, ubiquitous, like, it's just, you know, like, gaming is a normal thing you talk about now. And yeah. as much as I hate Fortnite, Fortnite helped. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Fortnite, Fortnite really helped. I mean, like, I, I don't hate Fortnite. You know, my problems with Fortnite... Uh, are uh, there's an errant signal video that largely outlines my issues with Fortnite, and that's I don't have a problem with the gameplay or the culture or anything around it. My only problem with Fortnite is that it's literally sell. They're not selling you the game; they're selling you self-expression. Like you have to pay to be able to do emotes and stuff. Yeah, that's like, that's kind yeah. of scummy to sell kids the ability to express themselves. That's you're in kind of nasty waters there. But on the other hand, it's a big social party that's cool and I mean like Drake played Fortnite publicly, you know, like and that uh, was I mean there are huge... concerts. They uh they showed I mean movie trailers have come out in Fortnite. They showed Which I think is weird. Inception. Tenant. You know, like Christopher Nolan's new movie. They yeah. showed the new they premiered the new trailer for that in Fortnite. And when I saw that, like my first thought was just like, I'm too old for this. This is not targeted at me anymore. See, the thing is, that's not... I, this is a tangent, but that's not targeted at you. I know. That that trailer... The people who play Fortnite were not going to look up that trailer, but because it was in Fortnite, they probably watched it. 
Yeah. If that makes sense. And everybody else that wanted to watch it is just like, this is dumb. I'll wait until it's on YouTube. Yeah, those, it's just, it just – it really made me feel old for some reason when I saw Ep- that. Epic basically has this, like, batch of millions of teenagers that they can just sell to advertisers right now. And it, yeah. that's – you know, that's – Powerful. It, that is very powerful, powerful. and a little scummy, whatever. And I don't but know yeah. how scummy it is because these kids, you know, how, how, how likely they'd even care about Tenet, you know, but – I mean, I don't know. When I was a teenager, I was super into, like, especially after The Dark Knight, I was, like, all over Christopher Nolan. I was like, really? whatever this guy makes, I'm going to watch. I, I was not, but... I wasn't, over, I wasn't really, really movie literate until Nolan I was either. 20, so... But I think... Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, I think an important topic we brought up is that of games literacy. I think, you know, you know, this new generation of parents is going to be way, way more games literate than obviously our parents were and i think that's going to be important for like future kids growing up i think we'll have a lot i guess an easier time uh enjoying games as you know part of growing up than we did yeah yeah especially since now gaming is accepted as normal yeah, it's it's weird, right? Like I don't know like history well enough. Like were movies ex- first regarded as like some weird niche thing? Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure. Yeah. So so was like rock music. Rock music was like, oh, it's the devil's music, and now it's just ubiquitous. Yeah. Anything new is gonna have that period where it's like it's the devil's work or whatever. <laughs> it's the devil's work. And then people are just gonna get used to it. Yeah. I think uh, yeah, I, th- I think we're in a good place now. Uh, spe- like in terms of like, I don't really think parents make that argument too much anymore. Like, okay, I'll let my kids watch TV or movies or whatever, but no video games. You know, like that's not really a prevalent sentiment anymore. And I feel like it was kind of when we were growing up. But yeah, I definitely knew. Uh, yeah, like I definitely knew kids who are allowed to watch TV as long as they want, but could only play like half an hour of video games or something. You know. Yeah. And in my mind, this is like the problem is the screen, you know, like in my mind, if you're going to like like if you're going to have your kids staring at a screen, I'd almost rather them be playing a video game than watching a movie because more neurons are firing. Yeah. Yeah. You're like that. That's what makes me so mad looking back. People like oh, video games are going to melt your brain. That was like a huge like I remember my mom telling me that at some point when I was a kid and I think she was like joking, but. You know, this coming from people who watch television, like, constantly, you know? Like, yeah, it's, video games are not melting your brain. They're, I mean, it it may look like that because your kid probably can't answer a question while they're playing a video game because it actually takes your attention. Demand focus, you know? Like, you can't just watch, like, you can have TV on in the background while you're doing something else. You can't really game in the, well, I can't say that. Yeah, people my, are, friends, my friends game in the background. but This is also coming back from, like, me streaming a lot. People are like, oh, it's easy to talk over a video game where you're playing it. No, it's not. No, it's it's not. super hard. Especially no, it's when it's a game that requires hard. a lot of, like, my neurons firing at once. Yeah, no, I definitely, like, I, I've been playing a lot of Rocket League again here recently, and me and my buds will all be, like, in the middle of a story or something, because Rocket League is kind of you know, it's it's paced. You know, sometimes you're sometimes things are kind of chill. You're just waiting for an opportunity. At least at our level, you know, at the higher skills, it's probably not like that. But at the skill level we mm-hmm. play at, 
you know, I can tell, I can be telling a story and then all of a sudden I see an opportunity for a goal and like the discord goes dead silent. As right. <laughs> yeah. That's how I am in Valorant. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to admit I've been playing elite this entire time, but elite requires me to just like smooth my brain over. Yeah. So yeah. Like me, but, me and my but, friend Whitney have been playing, um, no man's sky and just hanging out on discord a lot. And that's purely social, you know, no man's sky. There's like nothing to it. But I will argue that, like, even if you're multitasking with gaming, right, like, at the base level, you're still doing more than if you were watching TV, right? Because you're in- interacting with it. Yeah, I mean, No Man's Sky, I'm at least, like, you know, I'm flying around space. I'm, like, you know, thinking, you know? I'm, like, uh, do these trade routes matter? Do these enemies matter? You know, it's just not, like, intense, rapid-fire stuff that I it take demands 100% of my attention, Yeah. Same with Sea of Thieves. You know, Sea of Thieves is the only reason a lot of my friends know anything about sailing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not the most accurate presentation, probably, but like, you know, I, I, I I'm a Boy Scout. I'll admit it. I have the uh, small sailing merit badge, small boat sailing, and uh, you know, Sea of Thieves is not, it's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sea of Thieves is also not a small boat. No, it's not. But you know, the stuff we learned about aiming the sails and stuff. It, well, I mean, it'll be very vital information if you ever uh, decide to form a pirate crew with your friends. <laughs> it will be. I mean, yeah, obviously, like, that's not the, you know, but people would say that taking small boat sailing in Boy Scouts was good for me. And, like, when am I going to go, you know, when is my life going to rely on me knowing how to sail a small boat? <laughs> like, Especially yeah, I mean, here. Y- y- you joke, but, like, you never know when s- skills can come up, you know? Like, oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. It, I, mean, it, I think it's always good to have a wide array of random skills. Yeah, I agree. And that that is something. Skills are not really taught in gaming a whole lot beyond, like, you know, the occasional programming, the occasional, you know. It's critical thinking is a skill, I guess, but it's more of a soft skill than a hard skill. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously those skills can be taught in gaming, but the primary thing that games teach you is creative thinking. I, I think if we're wrapping up the segment, I think we should probably just say a couple of games that uh, we think, you know, just, I, we've said them throughout probably, but just say a couple of games that we think are really good for that. And I mean, I'll say Breath, of the, Breath Wild. of the Wild. Yeah, yeah. Like that was the first game that came to my mind as well. Uh, and I think a, a large part of it has to do with, you know, of course, like the emergent gameplay, which is not easy from a creative standpoint to make, you know, like that's why it, not a lot of games have that level of emergence. Yeah. It's just not easy to make, you know, it takes real talent to do something like that. But, you know, like I will stand behind, you know, like this, uh, I mentioned dark souls earlier in the video. And I think that teaches a very different skill of, you know, tenacity in the face of frustration. Like obviously yeah. like, you know, as, as a software engineer, I get frustrated a lot, you know, like, Oh yeah. That's part of the job. You're just like, why isn't this working? Like this worked two minutes ago. And, like, Dark Souls, like, a lot of those same feelings are evoked in Dark Souls. And I've learned through Dark Souls that, like, okay, sometimes I tackle the problem in a different way. Sometimes I just have to walk away, take a little break, and come back, and everything makes sense. Same thing applies, you know, in Dark Souls combat uh, and programming. Those principles apply to both. So I think that's, that's an important skill to have. Uh, Mike, would you want to say some uh, some of maybe the softer 4X games people could get into? Softer 4Xs? Um, I'd say, like, total, the historical Total War games, while not exactly, like, truly historical, 
they're good and they have enough information in them that you can kind of glance basic history off of it. I think uh, Civ has enough to get you interested, yeah, although Civ I wouldn't say enough. Civ teaches you anything. Well, I mean, Civ's like a giant melting pot, right? It literally has some of everything. So if anything yeah. intrigues you, you can always like look up more on it yourself. But it like presents you on a surface level, like virtually everything. Actually, I don't want to. I don't want to use acronyms while we're here. So Civilization Six. <laughs> yeah. We've turned into a parenting advice podcast. Oh dear. I, I would not call this parenting advice. None of us are parents or have even read a parenting I, I think book, it's just more trying to dispel the notion that video games are bad for kids. Yeah, I and I, I think we're qualified to say that being kids who grew up on games and are decent. <laughs> yeah. Although and it we is might, something we read about a lot. Yeah, we might just be shouting into the void. might be an old way of thinking, but I think it's important to bring up because at least we had experienced some of that growing up. Right. Yeah. Uh, Minecraft, obviously. Did we say Minecraft yet? We've mentioned Minecraft, yeah. Um, yeah. Roblox, Minecraft. Um, and I think puzzle games to an extent, too. Like, I know these aren't as popular, but like games like The Witness, I think, really test your critical thinking skills and help you think in new ways. Yeah. Even, even something like Tetris, you know, it's good for the brain. Um, satisfactory, uh, definitely... Teach a, a satisfactory is basically civil engineering the game, you know. Yeah. It, that teaches you hard skills for civil engineering, essentially. Civil you know, and if industrial. You, if you like satisfactory and you don't know what you want to do with your life, you know, look at civil and industrial engineering because that's what it is, basically. Yeah, same with Factorio. Mm-hmm. Any of those factory building games. Same with Minecraft mods like Tekkit. In that, then maybe you should check out industrial engineering. Yeah. But I was going to say, like, with games, like, even, like, small sections of games, like, just generic combat in some senses can be, uh, can can bolster creative thinking, right? Because, like, what is combat, you know, in a lot of games? Like, you have, you know, a few attacks, you have techniques you can use, and you have enemies with certain patterns, and you have to figure out what works and what doesn't work, you know? Like, you have a tool set being, you know, your controller, and you have to... And, and your tools being, like, your attacks, and you have to figure out what works. And I know that's a little bit of a stretch, but, like, it really does sort of apply, you know? Like, you're you're given something, and you have to s- solve something, which and is... there's also just the general confidence boost that comes from doing something that looks difficult, you know? Like, I, uh... Absolutely, yeah. I used to babysit my ex's niece and nephew, and I had them playing Super Mario Odyssey, which is not a particularly difficult game or anything, but they were four and seven, I believe, at the time. And, uh, the seven-year-old girl, Bella, was, um, controlling Mario while, uh, Max was controlling Cappy. And, uh, every time we got to a boss fight or something, Bella would try to hand the controllers off to me, and I'd always tell her she had to try first. And, like, half the time she'd beat it just fine and be, like, super excited. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, that's an entire aspect we never even touched on. It definitely is a confidence booster. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, yeah, we didn't touch on that, because I feel like it's maybe even obvious to us, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, and that goes right back to Dark Souls. You know, Dark Souls is designed around that feeling of power you get when you finally overcome something difficult. Yeah, like, that's why, like, 
so many of my friends are afraid of the Souls series. They're like, yeah, I don't want to play something like that. But I'm like, it's really not about difficulty. It's about learning and overcoming your frustrations and like just overcoming immense challenge. Uh, but you do have that to be in the mood for it. That doesn't so. necessarily equate to difficulty, though. You just have to learn it. I think I, I maybe I'm not articulating it correctly, but like I really don't feel like the Souls games are about difficulty. Uh, but yeah, I think that's pretty much what I have to say about the topic, you know? Um, yeah, I think I think we've made our point. Yeah. Because it is, it is hard to just list off the games that are good for you and the games that aren't, you know? You, you kind of have to... And, and there's no easy way to research that either, I don't feel. I don't feel I like, well, I'm not could, a parent, so there might be lists, you know? There might be parenting communities that But I think this. that that isn't a substitute for the experience, right? We have so much experience that, like, I feel like if we ever have kids, we'll know exactly, you know, the kind of games they should play. Right. Uh, yeah, so, like, I'm sure those exist, or those lists exist out there, but I don't think they're a substitute for the experience that, like, people like us have. Yeah, but not everybody has the experience we have. You know, a lot of people got into gaming. You know, gaming is still fairly recently mainstream, so a lot of people right. don't have the same 20 years of experience that we have. Oh, gosh, we're old. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that's that. Uh, what have you guys been playing? Anybody want to start us off? Or I'm going to start off. Speaking okay. of, like, critical thinking and... What was it? Divergent thinking. I, I've been playing Hard Space Shipbreaker, which requires a lot of that, or else things explode. You're really on a space kick, aren't you? Oh, I've been wa- wanting to talk about this game for a little bit, but I Mike, like you've I'm been on a space kick for like ten years now, haven't you? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hard Space is literally just—it's less space and more of creative destruction because you, you're presented with a ship. And you have one goal, salvage it. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong. If you cut the reactor, the reactor will explode. If you're not fast enough to the reactor, the reactor will melt down and explode. Oh, this sounds really fun to me. If you don't depressurize the atmosphere by going through the airlock and activating the atmosphere regulators, uh, chances are if you cut the cockpit, the glass will shoot off like a shotgun. And it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> it, it will explode. If you cut a fuel line, guess what? <laughs> it's going to explode. So is this game basically about like managing disasters in space? Uh, not so much. There's, It's very zen and when you're salvaging, but there's just a lot that can go terribly, terribly wrong, and that's what makes it interesting. I feel like One wrong cut and the entire like ship, your entire salvage could go wrong. Similar to actual space exploration, millions of things can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but if you know what you're doing, it's really easy to manage around it. It's like, I knew what I was doing, so I'd go in, depressurize the ship, cut out the bottom after the reactor, and just throw it out the bottom to the barge below me. Once you figure it out, you get that satisfaction of just seeing everything cleanly slide out instead of, like, having to slice everything up like a mad sushi chef. (laughs) It's just visceral, and I love it. What was it called again? It Hard Space fun. Shipbreaker. Hard Space Shipbreaker? Yes. Very and nice. it's in early access right now, but it's also backed up by Focus as the publisher. So $25 it, for an early access. Ooh, that's it's, steep. It's worth. Is it? There's a good bit of content there. And even then, there's still 
relatively updating, and it's actually possible. Oh, does it have six degrees of freedom when you move around? Yes, six degrees Ooh. of freedom. Oh, you're selling me. What, does is, not, what, what does that mean? Uh, it means so, you can rotate as well as going forward, backward, up, and down. Yeah, you have you every can roll, single is what I mean. Like, Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. It has a lot of cool movement techniques as well. I bet. I mean, six, yeah, six degrees of freedom, that opens up a lot. Like, you can just grapple reel to something, and then kind of Spider-Man grab it, because there's a grab function as well. That's mm. a... I feel like that that might be, like, a requirement for space games, for immer- immersion purposes. The six degrees of freedom? I, yeah. I mean, you don't have it at all, and... Well, I guess you have it in space a little bit, and, uh... No, no Man's, Man's Sky. Sky. But I, I feel like it's you what know, No Man's Sky is really missing, is you know getting, what I, uh, um, zero gravity, six degrees of freedom movement. Well, that's what, sorry, what was that? Sorry, I was just gonna say what popped into my head when you mentioned six degrees of freedom is actually the Call of Duty Advanced, no, Infinite Warfare campaign, because yeah. it takes place a large chunk of it takes place in space, and it does have the six degrees of freedom, like you can rotate and stuff. And I, I don't know, I thought that was really cool. Now, Six Degrees of Freedom is one of those things that not many people can deal with because it makes them nauseous. But once you figure out how to move in it, it's great to play with. It's also just more difficult. You know, you're adding more, uh, more, basically. Yeah, you have more directions that things can go wrong in. Yeah, because I I know a lot of people, The Outer Wilds has a lot of, um, it's not the whole game where you're moving like that, but a lot of it you are. And, uh, you know, people who aren't, accustomed to it just have a ton of trouble no but hard space is not a bad game and i would recommend buying it or even waiting yeah because it's getting updates very gradually right now there are two ships but it kind of spoon feeds you like the trainer ship and then you actually get to the proper version of the trainer ship and then you go to the big ships it spoon feeds you enough like i got right now i'm just about done with the game and it's open shift mode, and I'm about six hours in. Like, I've done, almost done all the content, and I'll probably have, like, 10, 12 hours when it's all said and done. So it's not exactly big right now. There's not a right. lot to so it. That's why I really, I don't know, I'm not really big on early access games, because, like, I like playing finished games, but the definition of a finished game becomes more and more nebulous every day, I think. Yeah. Normally, I don't even buy into early access games, but I saw it was actually Focus publishing it, and Focus is generally a good publisher, so I trust them not to abandon the game since they have actual backing. Yeah. That's a problem with early access now, as it sometimes will just run out of money and abandon the game. True, yeah. And I feel, I, I don't know, I feel like you don't really see that with like big publishers, but with like mid-tier and smaller publishers, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. So I guess I can go next uh, as to what I've been playing. Nothing too exciting for me, nothing new. I, I'm still on that Last of Us Part 2 kick. Like, you're uh, really? You're still playing that? I'm, I'm almost done with my second playthrough. It's been and two I'm, weeks since our last recording. Yeah, I've been, I've been playing on Survivor Plus, which is the hardest difficulty, and let me tell you, that really ratchets the tension up even more because last of us part two is already a very tense game but like the tension is just through the roof because you have like you find like two bullets for an encounter with like 12 enemies and you just have to make it work somehow you know and you die in like one shot maybe two if you're lucky like wow 
Very, very. If you're lucky. Yeah, if it's uh, it's it's very difficult for me at least. I know like stealth game pros probably find it easy still, but like for me, it's it's quite a challenge. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm replaying it and still just in complete awe of the story. I think it's a masterclass in storytelling, uh, and I think it's a really, I think the gameplay as well is just almost just as good as the storytelling. Like it's first in class gameplay, I think. So yeah, I've said lots of nice things about The Last of Us Part 2, so I'm not going to keep going on that, but like, still playing it. Uh, I've also started up a new save on God of War, and I think my main mentality was like, at this point, God of War and The Last of Us Part 2 were my two favorite PS4 games. Like, no contest. And I think what I'm doing is just sort of playing these two games again before the generation ends. I know, I think just just doing that to sort of put a cap on this generation for me. I think it's a, it's a fun experience. So playing God of War and the last of us part two, that's what I'm doing. Finish percent of five before the generation ends. Yeah. Well, you have time, right? Cause like persona six isn't going to be a thing for a while. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Connor. Uh, so, uh, my game kind of goes along with our theme this week of, uh, education through divergent thinking. Uh, I've been playing the escapists too. It's eh. I really, <laughs> okay. I really want to like it, and I think that there's a lot there to like. But like they, the the soft pitch of this game is that like you live in a prison, and your job is to come up with creative ways to escape. But like, it doesn't feel super creative a lot of the time. Like, pretty much every prison I've done <laughs> so far, you have the option to dig a hole. And, like, there's always some place that the guards just don't go to that you can start your hole. And, like, as long as you don't do something really dumb, nothing's going to come up. And the, it's just easy. They'll, they'll never find your hole. And it's, like, a mat- it's a matter of time, but it's not even it doesn't even take that long to build the tools you need to dig. And you can dig through, like, absurd, like, it's not like you can only dig through one tile or something. Like, you can dig down into the ground and dig as far as you need to to get out. You can dig through the walls of the prison if that's what you have to do. I don't know. It just feels like every prison's kind of the same to me so far. I've, I've played, I think, four of them. And yeah, I think I, you mentioned, I, like, I, you can just sort of dig out of all of them. I think if there's, like, one solution that just works all the time, it sort of defeats the purpose of these kind of games. But there are also, like, custom solutions that are supposedly more fun for each prison. But universally, so far, those have been even easier. Like, it's been like, you know, one of them, you had to, like, repair a motorcycle and steal it to ride out of the prison. It, it was like, I don't know. One of them was, like, a specific spot you had to dig out. One of them was you had to go find a disguise. And that one was one where you literally had to do zero setup to do it. You could just go find. And that one, that's not fair for me to criticize too much. That was the first prison. But there's a disguise you can just find, and it's at a totally reasonable place for it to be. You put it on and you walk out of the prison. Like, I don't know. I'm just, and and it has like a a competitive multiplayer where you like race to get out first, and that might be fun. And it also has like cooperative multiplayer where like, I guess there's more chance for hijinks, you know. There's more chance for one of you to slip up and get caught doing something you're not supposed to, and then they're going to start searching for like stuff in the prison. But so far, it's just kind of boring to me. 
I, I don't know. And this is a game that got reviewed well, so I feel like I'm mm. the one missing something here. That's why I keep going back to it. Because it's so close to something I really would like, you know? So you it's, said you finished, like, four prisons. Is that, like, four levels? Like, Essentially, yeah. Uh, and I've finished some of those prisons more than once to see a couple different of the escape routes and stuff. Yeah, a prison is essentially a level. Like, you get dropped into yeah. a prison, and you're in that prison until you break out of it. You know, it can be days, it can be hours, you never know. Depends on how much setup work you have to do. You have to do stuff like steal from other inmates, or do jobs for other inmates, or do jobs for the prison to try to earn money. And you can, like, trade stuff around and try to collect resources you need to build a to build a makeshift shovel or something to dig out. Or So how many prisons are there? Because I feel like if you've only done four and there's, like, 30, think, maybe you're still, like, too nah, early I think to see like any of the... 12. Okay. And then there's a bunch of DLC, and there's also, um, if you bought it on Steam, there's workshop prisons, but... Uh, I got it for free on the Epic Game Store, and I believe it is still free on the Epic Game Store right now. If you guys want to check it out, and I'd be down to try the multiplayer to see if you guys see something I'm missing that makes this game fun. Because I, I feel like the fun's there, I just haven't found it. I really think it's there. Yeah, I don't know, and and sometimes that can be tricky, right? Because like, you you feel like it's there, but also at the same time, you feel at a certain point you're like. Am I going to waste more time on this, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I'm at the point, like, if any of my friends want to play it, I will happily join them. Because I think it would be fun as just a goof-off social game. But as... I don't know. And I almost feel like it'd be... Like, all it would take is it being harder for it to be more fun. And so I feel like maybe if I get into some of the later prisons, that would do it. But I don't think the entire first half of the game should be this boring. Yeah, and I think that, that sort of leads into a separate discussion we might have one day of like how long do you give a game before like you decide that you're you're not about it you know oh yeah and i that's that happened to me in xenoblade chronicles too where people were like i I was playing it and i was like not having a ton of fun and this game reviewed super well and i looked it up and they're like oh yeah it doesn't really get started until about the 25 hour mark and i was like are you insane (laughs) yeah (laughs) no like i heard something similar about like uh what was it i think final fantasy 13 yeah like i think that's the most extreme example they're like oh you know the like, the game really doesn't start until, like, 40 hours in. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? The sad part is, and this is shameful for me to admit, but uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was a gift. So I, I did end up playing it to that point, And it, it does get kind of good. The voice acting never gets better. The voice acting is an abomination in that game. But You should probably play it in Japanese, considering yeah, it's a I Japanese game. Nah, well, it's kind of funny, though. Yeah. <laughs> they, all have, they all have Irish accents. Yeah, I remember watching reviews for uh, Xenoblade 2, and I was just like, what is this dub? The dub in uh, Dragon Quest 11, or uh, what's the newest Dragon Quest? 11? 11. That was, the dub in that had really funny accents, too. Like, not funny accents, but, like, accents that felt really out of place. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, usually with, with Japanese games, I always opt to play in Japanese with subtitles on. And that's wow. how I'm probably going to be playing Ghost of Tsushima tomorrow. But I did hear that uh, the subtitle, the 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 lips only match with the English dialogue, which is really aggravating to me. Oh, really? I wouldn't even notice. I don't think. Really? I think that's that sort of thing's pretty noticeable, right? If you play in Japanese and like character, uh, my eyes would be on the subtitles. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, I that's I I watched uh, I like to. Well, this is gonna make me sound disgusting. But uh, I like to eat while I watch anime. I'm always eating, like, a snack or something. And so I get real annoyed if subs are my only option. 
because I have to like split my attention between the visuals, the subtitles, and my food. Yeah, you have to pay attention to your food. Hold on. I have to not miss my mouth at least. <laughs> you know, if I, you know, I don't want to spill my. That's bowl fair. Holding. I mean, it's not it's not a big attention split, but I don't know. I still am watching a subtitled anime right now, but. Yeah, and I before we wrap up, I do want to bring up another reason that I'm replaying The Last of Us Part Two and God of War, and this might be slightly braggy, but I want to talk about it. I got a brand new TV, and it is mind-numbingly awesome. So I just <laughs> want to play. I just I, I've been like glued to my TV for the past like week and a half, and just to get another OLED. Yeah. So I've just been consuming as much media as I can on that thing. So How big is it? 65. Okay, yeah, that's what mine is, except it's not an OLED. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I wanted to get all upgraded for next gen, so. Yeah, I'm looking at getting a new monitor. It still what doesn't I want. justify what I did. Did you see that L, or that uh, Samsung Odyssey G9 or whatever? No. It's like an obscene, like, it's like. Uh, like a 45 inch curved monitor and it's like it's like the most beastly looking monitor I've ever seen it's crazy yeah I'm, I'm in the market for a new monitor but I'm probably not going to get something beastly I just want something probably 1440p uh, 144 hertz yeah nothing crazy I'd like to have a, a free sync because that stuff's cool but yeah I think that that's pretty much uh, I feel like you need to have G-Sync or FreeSync if you're going for a monitor these days yeah I want to go FreeSync because I don't want to be locked into uh, NVIDIA right now because AMD seems to be making a hard comeback mm. we'll see I feel like NVIDIA is just so on point that NVIDIA feel- slipped up in a lot of places in my opinion recently and given AMD room to rise but we'll see maybe that could be a discussion for another episode yeah I think that'll do it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you may use. And please click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk with us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep. See you guys next week. Yeah, see you guys uh, next week. Yeah. Yep. And we'll catch you later. <laughs> yep.